Welcome back to Rips, Reps, and Revelations. I'm your host, Lynn Ruthless. And I'm co-host and producer, Blue the Barbarian. For today's episode, we are going to be discussing and doing some brief conversation overview of eating disorders in recognition of National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. So, Blue, what is your involvement? Do you have any in terms of eating disorders? Like, what do you know about it? Um, well, to be completely honest, I don't know all that much about it, um, which is kind of a real issue mm -hmm. to me. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of people um, come to find out with eating disorders in this country alone. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that in development of today's episode that when, you know, we were discussing this, it became very obvious that there's not a lot of education in just a general way surrounding eating disorders and just how many people it affects. Yeah, growing up, I mean, I didn't really even hear the term eating disorder very much. Right, and I feel like it was very different based on, you know, your gender and, and even social class and the household and family you grew up in. There are a lot of different factors in terms of eating disorders and what people have come to know about them in general. So you mean um, factors as in societally? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Societally, as I said, like within the home, because that really does make a difference in terms of diagnosis. And, you know, it's, it's kind of that nature versus nurture argument that happens, I think, with a lot of hereditary issues and a lot of social issues when you grow up. And Yeah, I found out that eating disorders are uh, do have a hereditary factor as well. Absolutely. Which is... Kind of scary if you think about it, because as an adult, if you've gone through your whole life dealing with an eating disorder, and then let's say you are in recovery for it, that doesn't necessarily mean now that you're an adult living a healthier lifestyle, let's say, that you can't pass that down to your children still. Right. So what are, I mean, we keep saying eating disorders, but what are they? So there are three main types of eating disorders, and... I think it's very important to understand there are three because a lot of people don't exactly understand that there's more so outside of just anorexia and bulimia. There's also binge eating disorder or BED is what it's also called. And then you also have uh, EDNOS, which is eating disorder non-specified. Now, since there is one that's non-specified, EDNOS, how would you get diagnosed with that versus any of the specific three? So EDNOS is more of a broad term because it doesn't necessarily fit into the diagnosis, the, the criteria for diagnosis of anorexia, bulimia, or binge eating disorder. So it shares components kind of of all of them in terms of like specific like hyperfixations or, um, you know, I don't want to say like starving yourself, but, you know, being very aware of your calorie intake or decreasing, but while still maybe having a fixation on laxatives and still having a binge eating disorder. It, it, EDNOS is all three of them combined, but not as specific, if that makes sense. So when you bring up laxatives, uh, what is that associated with? Laxatives are directly associated with bulimia or bulimia nervosa is, is the common diagnosis. Um, it's just another form of binging and purging. What that ultimately means is you know, you, somebody who has bulimia doesn't have a, like a normal eating habit. So essentially they will binge. And, and when I say binge, I mean, 
like excessive, excessive amounts of food and then purge. They, they figure out a way to get it out of their body, whether that be vomiting, induced vomiting, laxatives, like a, a heavy intake of laxatives, or even extreme exercise, like excessively exercising. That short list right there was definitely not something that we were made aware of in our education system or, or health education. Um, and I mean, like I said, like the excessively exercising thing, I, I was not aware of as part of an eating disorder at all. Yeah. And it's, it's really unfortunate that this education is not being brought at a younger age in general, because, you know, just even looking at basic statistics of eating disorders, I, I was blown away by some of the things I found, like almost half of first to third grade girls want to be thinner. First to third grade, like think about that ideal that they're already developing in terms of their body and that unhealthy relationship that they're having with their bodies at that age already. Yeah, it's under 10 years old. That's, that's scary. That's sad. That's horrible. And But where does that come from is, is the thing. Like at 10 years old, do you really have a concept of, of your body? I think that's when it's forming, right? Yes. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, a lot of cues, but where is that coming from that you already have this, I, this thin ideal, we'll call it? Right. You know, where is that developing in your mind? Is it in your home? Is it in your social group? Is it your older siblings? Like Or media. Yeah. <laughs> oh, can't even, don't even get me started. It drives me crazy. Yeah. Well, and you know, like I was just telling you, sorry for cutting you off, but I saw... Um, my cousin, my cousin had shared something on social media about the, the, the issue that millennial generation and like Gen X, like that kind of area are still struggling with in terms of body image because, and especially compared to like the new, you know, the Gen X or I'm sorry, the Gen Z where we're at right now, um, who are kind of pushing more of a body positive movement and, and an image, whereas the Gen X and millennials, you know, we got, we got the, the Kate Moss, the heroin chic look was what you wanted. Yeah. And there was a lot of shame involved in Ugh. not achieving the ideal standard. Yeah, absolutely. The prevalence of, of unhealthy body image and eating disorder within those generations is, is kind of mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I don't, I don't know of any woman my age or around my age that feels okay with their body in any sense. I mean, you know, what is it like for men? Like from your perspective? Uh, it's similar. It's more of just like uh, an obesity thing for men as we age. Okay. Um, and even as a young kid, um, you know, it was never like the goal to be overweight. Right. But do you think it was as lack of accepting for, for a man to be overweight versus a woman? Well, it's definitely hard to say that uh, I'm, I don't have that female perspective, but I, I, don't, I don't think it was as prevalent as for males. I agree. I mean, again, I'm not a man, so I don't entirely put myself in that perspective, but, you know, and, and not at all discounting that there are men who struggle with eating disorders because there absolutely are. And oh, of course. You know, it's, it's just, even that, you can even take that as an example. Like, when you think of eating disorder, you automatically think of women. 
right. of, the, of the female form. And, and I'll be a thousand percent honest, the only one I was ever heard of was anorexia. And it's just like you saw someone thin and you're just like, oh, she's just anorexic. And they said it with that disgusting, disgusted right. tone. <laughs> right. Like there was something that they were doing on purpose. Right. Like she was starving herself because it was fun. Right. Cool. Exactly. Again, heroin chic look. Yeah. That was the rage, right? But it really, I think, caused a lot of damage. A lot of damage. And I do think that the the Gen X and millennials who are now becoming parents are really fighting that. And they're really kind of more aware of it because of what they went through. But as parents, you know, we still deal with it ourselves. There's, again, we'll continue to use the the, the statement, thin ideal. Yeah. Um, sad. And speaking of how scary it is, uh, I didn't realize how up there it is in like mortality. Yes. Uh, it's one of the, one of the top uh, death rates of mental illnesses. Yeah. Directly behind, I believe it's opioid use yeah, or opioid like, overdose, I should say. It's like number two or something like that. Yeah. It's something like over 10,000 people die every year due to direct result of their eating disorder. That's like... That's insane. That's something so preventable. How would you say it was preventable? The The beginning is education. Like, bring awareness to it. Stop trying to hide the fact that eating disorders exist in our society. Stop being ashamed of it. Right. Stop putting shame around food. Like Something I wish I knew, as a matter of fact, mm -hmm. is that someone with an eating disorder, the pathway that's in their brain don't actually work the same way as, as someone who doesn't have that eating disorder. And right. that's a physical difference. It's a mental health disorder. It's not simply about food. Food right. is the vessel. Food is like the symptom of the issue. So let's talk about food. We need food to live. Right. Which is why it drives me crazy that eating disorders are such a big issue as it is because food is not taboo. You need it. You survive on it. People love it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. You celebrate around food. You communicate yeah. around food. Mm -hmm. Food is kind of at the center of a lot of things we do. Right. You go to a party. You know, what can I bring? And right. and all this stuff. But, you know, as somebody with an eating disorder, personally, you can't get away from it. Yeah. You, you, you can't escape it. You have to eat to live. So the management of the eating disorder is really difficult in everyday life. Yeah. Whether it's guilt or a lack of control, mm -hmm. um, depending on which disorder that you ha uh, someone has. I mean, guilt and lack of control, I feel like, goes into all of it in, in its own way. Mm. Yeah, well, different levels, I guess. Yeah. But as you said, as you already had kind of referenced, like, you only hear about anorexia, and it's that's in the term of, like, being disgusted. Oh, she's so anorexic. Like, right. Like, it's, a, you know, a shameful thing. But even in that conversation, if someone's too thin, you're calling them anorexic. Yeah. But what is too thin? Everybody is different. Every body is different. So that judgment piece that automatically goes along with what you physically look like is a big part of this problem. Yeah, which makes it even harder to avoid because uh, you are that's what you're wearing. Right. When you go out. Right. What everybody sees. Right. I mean, you know, you gen you there are genuinely people who are just tiny. And yeah. it doesn't matter what they eat. But then you have the person who is so hyper fixated and focused on their diet and they be maybe like under eating continuously, which can also lead to negative issues. And and a lot of times that does include weight gain. Your metabolism changes depending on what you eat and how you eat. Definitely. So it's, you know, 
there's no clear cut way to make this simpler and make this an easier discussion, let alone perception of people. But, you know, I think the important piece to changing how people relate to and understand and see eating disorders is to actually talk about it. So do you think if society is more aware that it's not like a choice, that it would help a little bit of the shame factor? Absolutely. Awareness is, I think, a huge key to all of this. It's, it's, it's really a huge key to dealing with wellness and mental health and medical and like all of that stuff in general. Is bringing it out more in the open. Yes. Because once you actually make it something not scary and not taboo, it doesn't carry that much shame with it and that much guilt. And then you'd be more willing to seek help. Yes. And you'd be more willing to talk about it in an open setting and not feel like in this box that we never really put ourselves in with our issues. Right. And the negative thoughts and feelings associated with the, sh- the shame and the, and the taboo nature of the disorder mm-hmm. um, definitely helps that spiral keep spiraling. Yes. Because that's what keeps you on that, you know, proverbial merry-go-round of unhealthiness. Yeah. And, and I think the other really interesting piece to me personally always with this is that you go through such highs and lows with eating disorders. And, you know, one day you could be feeling like super confident and you've got this and it's all good and we're, you know, not worried about it today. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, oh my God, like I can't eat this. Hmm. Then you, you know, personal experience here, somebody who has been diagnosed with a binge eating disorder, you go through this, this thing and this, this mental battle all day surrounding food and the more you tell yourself no the more you tell yourself you're not going to have it it's just like this bomb in the back of your head waiting to go off at any given time with one little trigger and next thing you know you're just stuffing your face full yeah and then you feel like shit and then you feel horrible physically okay and mentally and and you don't want to tell anybody and you don't want to talk about it. And then you keep spiraling and then you keep it to yourself because you're ashamed and it just continues this process. And coming from someone who doesn't have an eating disorder, um, it's really hard to relate to. Uh, mm-hmm. um, like we talked about depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And you can almost imagine living with that 24-7 because you've experienced sadness. episodes of yeah. sadness and anxiety. Mm-hmm. But... You have never experienced anything like an eating disorder if you don't have one. Right. Because it's not, you know, a periodic moment. It's it's all consuming. It, it truly is all consuming. And I think for me and talking about my own story here with it, that, you know, I was I was diagnosed earlier this year or, or later until last year. I don't really quite remember at this point. But um, no, it was it was last year. It was early last year. It was almost a year now. Actually, I've been diagnosed with an eating disorder. And um, even though my primary is binge eating disorder, there is EDNOS in my background with specifications of anor- like certain anorexia traits and certain bulimia traits. So like the excessive exercising, I went through a very short period of the laxative thing that didn't last long because I hate pooping. So <laughs> it's like not, not my thing there, but, um, you know, as somebody who's kind of experienced some characteristics of all of these things, your perception of yourself changes. You don't really have a clear understanding of who you are outside of this all-consuming feeling and this all-consuming thought. And it's even worse when 
you can't really explain it to anybody because it's not as simple as like, oh, do you want to go out and get drinks or have dinner? Yes. Okay. Again, binge eating disorder. So the answer is never no over here. But along with that, yes, there's like 15 million other words that are being unsaid inside of my head. And it's, it's, it's just a nightmare. It's just a nightmare to live with at times. And as I said, like some days I do great and I feel fine and very strong. Like I feel like I'm on a good path in recovery with it. And then other days I have to, like, I just kind of explained to you the other day, actually, I have to like stop and think about it and think about like this guilt. I already feel like I've eaten like shit all day. And then if I stop and like take a look back and like do a reset, I'm like, no, you actually really haven't. You've done really good and you're fine. And there's nothing wrong with what you ate. So that's just part of how your brain processes food and, yeah. and, and it's just a built-in guilt no matter what you do. Yes. Yeah, that's what makes it, that makes it very difficult. Yes. And then I think the addition to that is, as I had kind of already touched on, like the cultural and societal piece of it, because it really does matter. It, the outside perspective on what you look like in terms of an eating disorder, disorder matters. So as somebody who used to be very overweight, I would, you know, people look at you differently when you're out in public eating. People look at you with judgment and they look at you like you shouldn't be there and you shouldn't be eating and, or, or the, oh, of course this, this fat bitch is here eating. Like, you know, it's, it's, you get that look and you feel it, you feel it in your environment. But now as somebody who has a more stable weight and is, you know, still working on it, but I don't get the same looks. People don't look at me the same because I'm normal now, you know, in their eyes, I'm normal. So they're not going to take a second look at me, but not understanding this whole time that I have an eating disorder. Yeah, of course not. So it really does matter. And I just don't understand. And I will never frankly, truly understand why people are so judgmental just as a whole. Like what benefit do you get? from having this negative feeling about me. You don't know me. You've never even heard my voice. You simply see my body walking by you when you have an issue. Well, I think it, their thought process is that they're better. But that's when, way. you know, people need to really take a step back and think to themselves, am I really better? Because I just judge this person without even knowing them. Well, right. No, it's not. But I mean, that's the way our society works in a way. It's disgusting terrible it's truly disgusting and that's why we've ended up in these situations we are with each other and because nobody can just be nice yeah i mean even you don't even have to be nice you just don't have to uh just cast you glances be an asshole and, yeah even <laughs> you got to change the way we're thinking that's that's the whole reason i wanted to do this podcast i want to bring some awareness and like just enlighten people who don't even know like we we didn't know about this growing up or mm -hmm. i didn't no because they don't teach you because the bottom line is in school, you're not actually taught about life. You're not taught about real life things. Right. You're not taught how to function. You don't get taught how to do your taxes or... Well, I did, but I had a really good fifth grade teacher. <laughs> well, good for you because I did not. Not saying they were all terrible. They weren't because I've off the top of my head have really good teachers. But in general, the things that impact you on a day-to-day -day basis are not the things that you were taught about. Yeah, very true. And not for nothing, as far as I'm concerned, that's a failure to our society. Yeah, we're just taught to be a cog that fits nicely in the machine. Yeah, you're taught how to be compliant and obey. You're not taught how to actually function. 
No, not at all, really. I mean, there are elements, but it's not something that it's is how you apply it to a real situation. Right, but look at the look at what we're talking about right now. Look at the whole wellness point of this podcast. Do they really ever address mental health issues? Not that I'm aware of. No, I mean, and they even, had a counselor, but I mean, who goes to the counselor? Nobody, because you would get made fun of. Right, exactly. <laughs> it was not a thing you could comfortably do, and not for nothing. Even the kids that did go, everyone's like, "Oh, it's the weird kid." Don't talk to the weird kid. Right. But again, we are conditioned to think this way. We are in- inherently taught to think this way. And, you know, I've, I've grown up with friends who had a good open relationship with their parents generally, and they could go to them with all of these things. But that wasn't the case for everybody. That wasn't a normal thing. Right. Which is super sad to me. Because, you know, I've developed, as I said in the last episode, that relationship as an adult with my mom. But, you know, it wasn't necessarily the same growing up. You, you feel ashamed as a kid. And being ashamed, I mean, that it makes it a lot harder to manage these issues as an adult. Because when you are growing up in this environment that doesn't acknowledge eating disorders or mental health issues or, or any of that kind of stuff, it, it really, I think, depresses away your, your ability to deal with it as an adult and your ability to recognize it within yourself as an adult. Yeah, I mean, that comes back right to even being aware that there's a problem in, to begin mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Because then you know that there could be a solution. It's not just how things are. Right, and I think that, you know, when it comes to even specifically eating disorders, the problem develops over time. It doesn't, like, come on overnight. And it's all the little things, you know, again, speaking for myself here, that added up, like, being what, 12 years old when I was told I had thunder thighs by my mother? (laughs) That sucked. And obviously, I'm sitting here in my 30s and that stuck with me. So you get a complex. And again, you know, I don't think ever that it was done with like malintent and that it was like intentionally meant to hurt. But a lot of times, I just think that the words that people are choosing and, and growing up and your siblings and your parents... They don't really understand what's going to stick with you and what's not. Yeah, definitely not. In the moment, there's no way to really know, I feel like. No, and I'm sure that when that comment was made, it was made out of love. Like, hey, you know, be aware that, like, you're, you're heavy. You're heavier for your age and you should be kind of thing. But that also kind of goes back to being raised around what nutrition is and, and what it means to eat healthy. Yeah, we didn't have much guidance that we do now. No. Um, no. I, I, I was pretty lucky with that because I feel mm-hmm. like we had pretty balanced meals growing up, and it just kind of was a habit mm-hmm. as an adult, so that worked out for me. Yeah, um, I mean. I've definitely learned more now, you know, on my own. Yeah. About how nutrition works. I mean, I wasn't well into until I was, like, well into my adulthood that I had to educate myself on these things, and realize that like the stuff I grew up on that was like normal that you thought was like okay really isn't like Like, the peanut butter and jelly sandwich listen I still love them but peanut butter jelly sandwich that's not a healthy lunch that's your square meal you know what I mean like that doesn't if you really sit back and think about it that does not add up at all yeah but again I, I really also think this is like a generational thing because you know it's not like 
It's not like our parents would intentionally sit there and feed us garbage if they really thought it was going to be bad for us. There's just so much, you know, overall and as a whole, there's just so much that I think goes into this issue that really does begin in, in childhood and adolescence. And if the issue starts there, that's when we should start addressing it. And we do have a lot of tools to address these issues now that we probably didn't years ago, obviously. But um, what kind of treatments are there out there for people with eating disorders? I mean, the biggest one is going to be psychotherapy and, and talking really about it and having that open component. Yeah. And, you, you know, there are medications depending on, on what you're diagnosed with, mm. but... It's a lot of, anti some of them are antidepressants, aren't they? Yes, because your eating disorder does tend to go hand in hand with other mental health issues. Right. So you, you are also helping some of the symptoms because they contribute to the actions that you take. Yeah. I mean, you know, and there's also other things like yeah, for somebody who has a binge eating disorder, they might prescribe you like an appetite suppressant, um, stuff like that. It, it really depends on your diagnosis and... I think a lot of ways the severity, because you shouldn't necessarily jump to medication, but you know, psychotherapy is is such a underutilized tool in our society in general for everybody. That which is unfortunate because it has been a thousand percent proven to work. Yes, there's, yes, there's it absolutely has. A lot of studies on psychotherapy that are conclusively they work. Right, and I, you know, even in this specific topic, right from the beginning. If you are having a child and you know you've had an eating disorder, you, you it's hereditary now. So I there's a really good chance that you're going to pass down this genetic piece to your child. So the awareness should already be there. Yeah. Look for it and try to solve these problems. Um, and you were saying how they develop as you get older. So if you can prevent them from almost, in a weird way, saying spreading. Mm-hmm in their brain, mm -hmm. um, it, it'll be, it'll go a long way to make their life easier. Right. And that along with the very simple fact of starting the conversation, I don't understand why parents have this, this issue with just starting the conversation. You don't need to wait for the cue. You can absolutely bring it up and humble yourself a little bit as a parent and be honest. Yeah, I struggled with this, and, you know, what are you going through? Right, like, I want you to know that this is something I've experienced, and I'm here for you. Absolutely. Just leave that line of communication open. It, it literally, it's like a thorn in my side with parents. I mean, it's, it is difficult. It's vulnerable. Yeah, but you're a parent. No, I, You've done I'm, the most I'm vulnerable <laughs> thing ever by becoming a parent. Right. You're exposing the worst and the best parts of yourself in another being. So how dare you not take care of them? Yeah. It's, it's just so many issues can be prevented from getting worse or even happening if that open line of communication is there. Yeah, well, as humans, we are learning. We are, get, we are getting better at finding solutions and being more aware of these issues. Mm -hmm. It's but true. It's, I mean, it's, it's going to take time. It takes a lot of time. But I think the concern that I have is like a closed child becomes an unhelpable adult. Definitely. Wow. So 
we really have to look at the environment that we're creating for children. For sure. Especially now, like as we've kind of already touched on in a previous episode with where the world is at right now, you need to be checking in constantly. And and the eating disorder piece is no different. Yeah, it's getting scarier and scarier. Um, yeah. So the nature versus nurture. I mean, let's nurture a positive self-awareness uh, and all that. Yeah, and I, you know, I think the biggest part of nurture is to be very aware and cognizant of your own reactions. To what specifically? To your child or to really anybody. And like yourself. Having that conversation, like check yourself. Isn't that part of CBT? Yes. Where, rea- how you react to your own thoughts and mm-hmm. actions. I mean, you know, you got to be your own best friend sometimes. Sometimes yeah. you got to give yourself some tough love. Just It's about being honest with what's going on in reality versus... Um, what you think is and how you feel. Mm-hmm. Well, CBTE, that's that's a very specific cognitive behavioral therapy, enhanced cognitive behavioral therapy that is used in eating disorder treatment. Is to be aware of how you're feeling versus what's true. Yeah, it's it's basically doing like a mental check-in. Like I told, like I had already referenced in the episode, I, I had to check in with myself in the middle of the day just to like calm those thoughts down about my eating. That's a great example. I mean, I will say one of the things that has been so helpful for me is um, a book called Intuitive Eating. Yeah, you talked a lot about that book. Yes, I love it. I love that book. And I've, I reread it. Like I'll start from the beginning when I'm not feeling so strong in my eating disorder. And it's so helpful because it really brings you back to the base of what healthy eating is. Where did you get it? On Amazon, actually. And it's called what again? It's called Intuitive Eating. All right. I don't have the authors off the top of my head, but there's also a workbook that goes with it. Huh. You don't have to get it together, but, you know, it helps to kind of personalize the intuitive eating process in yourself, in your words, in that workbook. So I mm. highly recommend it. Highly recommend that book. Yeah, I mean, even from what you've told me about it and the discussions that we've had, I, I would already agree. Yeah. I, I didn't read it myself, to be honest, but... um. Well... Does that not highlight the difference between somebody with an eating disorder and somebody without? Yeah, I feel no need or, you know, desire to change anything about my relationship with food. Right. Except I do snack too much at night. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, good point you brought up, the relationship with food. That's such an underutilized statement in general. Mm. Because for somebody without an eating disorder, the, the statement doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean a relationship with food? Right. You eat food, you know. There is no relationship. It's food. Because you're hungry or because right. you need to. That's right. what it is. But as someone with an eating disorder, you have a very bad relationship with food. It's, yeah, it's just a weird, like, to me, it's weird. It sounds weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Yeah. But I, I often wonder if this is something that we started to address earlier, mm. if everybody would now feel, you know, feel that way 10, 20 years later, or Are if you, the understanding would be there and, and the issue would be easier. You mean we as in, like, a society? Yeah. Like, the world? Yeah. Yeah, we're as far as that kind of stuff and mental health goes. I feel like we're edging in the right way. Uh, it's just there's a lot of generalities that need to be addressed, but and judgments. Yeah, but you know, I agree with you. I think we are edging in the right direction with all of it, but it it's going to take a lot more work. It needs to be fine tuned for sure. Yes, but I also think it's it's coming as a result of people just being open about it. Yeah. In the very millennial way, joking about your mental health issues. (laughs) It's opened the door. It really has. Yeah. I mean, it it was necessary. Yep. We're in 
unprecedented times right now. In so many ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 so good and so bad at the same time. It's like the yin and yang. Yeah, because I mean there's a lot of technology, there's a lot more medication, but there's just a lot more negativity and uncertainty. Um mm-hmm. well and you know, I think we are missing still the education piece of things though, because an eating disorder is not just like, oh, you're too thin or, oh, you throw up. It's, or, or you're eating too much. It's the medical piece of it. Yeah. Like people don't talk about the fact that, you know, somebody with anorexia can develop a heart condition, can develop heart issues and, and lung issues. And it's you, very serious. And they frequently do. It's not yes. like they can. It's like, you know, oh, uh, flying on a plane, you can crash. It's like, this is probably going to happen if you don't get help. Right. Or, or even the severity, right? The severity of the eating disorder, anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder, it varies. I've met people whose binge eating disorder, you know, solely, I think mine was terrible, but like I've met people who respectfully were way worse than I was. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's not talked about enough. It's just not addressed enough. And it's, something that should be easier to really address on a global setting in a personal setting within the home with therapists, with your friends, like we got to stop judging people for what they're going through. Yeah. Some of the videos I watched, um, I watched a lot of videos to try to look this up and learn mm-hmm. about it. Cause I didn't have the education on it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people said a support system was, super key in their in their recovery absolutely and that that goes for a lot of mental illnesses most of them if not all right i mean it literally goes for everything in life though you you, you can't do things by yourself and expect to go far in any of it we're designed to be social creatures we are unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) well you're you're right you need people you need people that you can who can understand you know, it's not to say that you should keep yourself in a social situation where people are just judging you for it and just because they're your friends, like... No, you need a support system. Yeah. People really actually need to start questioning what friends looks like in their life, I think. Yeah, and people hold you accountable and mm-hmm. who care. Yeah. And people you can be honest with. If you can't be honest with the people around you, they're not the people for you. Right. And I think we need to stop um, shutting down people who try to open up to each other out of, like, fear or shame or anything like that. I agree. And that's, you know, I think that's a bigger gender specific issue because women don't, I think, have as much of an issue opening up about things like that as oh. men do with men. Oh, yeah. That's that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you just don't bring up that kind of thing as a guy. Right. But that completely shuts down a very large portion of your social setting. Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody, we should all be helping each other out and building each other up and not shutting each other down like that. Yeah, doesn't doesn't matter how you identify or what you identify as. Yep, you're a human. Yeah, uh, there you go. That's what it's about. It's about being human and doing things with kindness as a whole. And with that being said, we are wrapping up today's episode. So yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, be sure to check out our Facebook at Rips Reps Revs and our website at ripsrepsrevs.podbean.com. We have added additional resources in relation to today's episode. So if you are struggling with an eating disorder and are looking for assistance, go check it out.